1: Consequence Podcast Network.
2: Welcome to Unwound and Unplugged. I'm Dr. Mike, clinical psychologist, life coach, and the host of the Going There podcast, which focuses on the crossroads where music and mental health meet. Going There is a collaboration between Consequence of Sound and Sound Mind Live, whose mission is to leverage the power of music to end the stigma of mental illness and elevate awareness of mental health resources so that people can get the care they need. And I'm so thrilled to be working with SoundMind again on this event, which is the first in the three-part Playing Through the Changes series, a virtual event series discussing mental health during the pandemic with musicians. For many of us, music is what inspires us. It's what brings out our passions, our sense of purpose, and our belief that there is a bigger world out there. And in many cases, it is one of the first ways that we learn to experience, process, and express our emotions. It is often musicians who first start challenging the stigma of mental illness for us by letting us know through their art that they have struggled with the same issues that we have. Depression, anxiety, trauma, addiction. Whatever it is, there is a musician somewhere who has been through it and who is sharing their experience. And oftentimes, having that connection with our favorite artist is what gets us through which allows us to know that there is someone out there who understands us so we don't feel so alone. And sometimes that's what we need to survive. And so now musicians like the artists we are speaking with today are taking a bold next step as mental health advocates and sharing not only their music, but also their personal stories of struggling with mental health to help challenge the stigma of mental illness so that we can come out of the darkness and get the care we need. And we need our musicians now more than ever. We are in the middle of a horrible mental health crisis that has only been worsened by the pandemic. As many as one in four youth have contemplated suicide, and over 80% of Americans report feeling stressed and overwhelmed. And one of the biggest issues that people struggle with is feeling disconnected from the world around them. And unfortunately, people are feeling more lonely. They're unable to work. They can't do the things that they enjoy, and they can't connect with the people that they love. Two of the coping strategies that many people use to feel more connected during this time are creativity and technology. We're gonna talk today with these musicians about how they are feeling during the pandemic, how they connect to their creativity, as well as the benefits and pitfalls of using technology as a way of connecting with the world. Now for this event, we've partnered with the National Day of Unplugging, a national awareness campaign that promotes a 24 hour break from technology annually, observed the first weekend in March, this coming weekend. You can find out more about National Day of Unplugging and how you can get involved by going to nationaldayofunplugging.com. This event is made possible by Lil Space and Sage Therapeutics. Lil Space is on a mission to help people develop a healthier relationship with their mobile technology by gamifying digital wellness and making unplugging both fun and rewarding. With Unplug for a Cause challenges, you can encourage tech life balance in your community while inspiring your network to give back to important causes. For more, check out getlittlespace.com. We're joined now by Gerard Way, singer, songwriter, and comic book writer. Now, many of you know Gerard as the vocalist and co-founder of the multi-platinum rock band, My Chemical Romance. He's also the co-founder of DC Comics' Young Animal Imprint. But in my house, he wrote the Eisner Award-winning comic book series, The Umbrella Academy, which has been adapted as a Netflix series that my family has watched religiously. So thank you, Gerard, for talking with me and for making me look cool in front of my wife and kids. Gerard, let's just start with how you've been feeling during the pandemic. Oh man,
1: wow! I think uh, I probably feel like a lot of people going through a a lot of emotions. We were right about to leave for tour, so when the when the pandemic really hit, so obviously, much like everybody else, like our lives kind of completely changed. And uh, so, you know, there's kind of an adjustment period. I mean, there's, you know, at first there's the kind of the unknown and you're like, well, what's happening and can we stop it or can we get rid of the virus? Can we isolate it? Like all this stuff. So, you know, there's a there was a period of just like not knowing what was going on, not knowing for sure. And, uh, you know, and as like we look at the world and we see that, like, we've watched kind of the truth erode in the last four years, you kind of don't know what to believe. You know, you you don't know what the fact is from, I mean, I guess you could have trusted news sources, but there's been some hard days for sure. I uh, I think for my family and I, all of us, there's some days where it just hits you what's happening and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe, you know, we're
2: in this situation. It's interesting as you're talking because I'm seeing the parallels of the pandemic and mental illness itself. You know, it starts off with kind of this thing of like, this is sudden, it's unexpected, I don't like it. And the first thought that everybody has is, can I get rid of this? Yeah. You know? And then that, that thing that you're talking about, about the trusted news source, is like, well, who can I believe? Like, you know, do my, do my friends support me? Do they understand? Do doctors mm-hmm. understand? And mm-hmm. trying to get to that place where you feel somehow settled in or stable in in such an unbelievably unstable context feels like yeah. very much like like i think what i think what people with mental illness go through all the time
1: yeah like st- staying stable that's that's the goal you know being being um you know being balanced and things like that and i I've, I've been in therapy uh talk therapy for probably i think at this point it might be 8 years and all through um all through my life probably about when i when i got into my 20s that's when i first started seeing um a therapist because i had hit a point where i realized all right something's not right this this kind of depression i'm going through this not getting out of bed this not participating in life like there's got to be something to this so so i started therapy way back then and then um the band kind of took off and got super busy so there was lots of years of no therapy probably when i needed them the most (laughs) during this kind of whirlwind but it wasn't until towards the end of the band that i i just needed it i needed therapy i really did i had you know i had so much to process i had so much to work through i had so much to discover um i had so much to take ownership of There, you know there was just so many things that i had to do so i've been working really hard at therapy and i'm a, I'm a big believer in talk therapy, like huge believer in it. Medication is a whole other factor. And like, I know it works for some people. I know it doesn't work for others. I know there's side effects. So I'm very careful about medication, but it helps me and it keeps me balanced. And the talk therapy, I think is the most important thing.
2: You know, one of the things that's so interesting about music for for people who aren't artists is that it's the first time that we get a chance to in some ways, destabilize by venturing out into emotional states that we're maybe not familiar with, that maybe we're uncomfortable with. Oh. And When you're talking about therapy, I'm I'm feeling like there's a there's a very similar concept, which is the idea of to a certain degree, when you're when you're in therapy, you have to destabilize and start talking about things that are difficult, you know. Yeah. And and when you're doing something creative, by definition, you guys are doing things that are you know, outside the box of what of what the regular people are thinking about. Yeah. I don't like that term, but people people who are the fans, let's say. And how do you know when to kind of go into that destabilizing space? Yeah. Therapy or creativity versus being like, Hold on a second, I'm let me back off a little bit here and and, and kind of get back to, to ground it, if you will.
1: Yeah. Well, in terms of creativity, I feel like at least for me, I do it when I need it. Art started as therapy for me and especially the band was kind of, it was definitely for me, art therapy. But what happens is you hit a point kind of early on where you start to realize that by going to that dark place, you end up with some of your most powerful material. One of the dangerous things, I think, for artists is to kind of get caught in this trap that you need to be completely upset and miserable and depressed and all all these bad feelings. You need that in order to create art. And it took me a really long time to both realize that I didn't need all that to create art and that I would enjoy the things that I made bet more when I was more stable,
2: you know. Your music is still connecting with people and as you and I spoke ahead of time umbrella academy is certainly connecting at my house and how do you interact with technology now with that same thing in mind like yeah. i want to i want to connect with people but sometimes it can get too much
1: i don't interact with technology much at all you know i left twitter about like 5 years ago and it was really to benefit my mental health like my mental health improved dramatically after I stopped using it. I have all kinds of thoughts on technology and things like that. So I have an Instagram and I'll occasionally use that. But basically the way I started to look at things like Twitter was basically all these corporations and it's probably it probably applies to Facebook and all that other stuff too, basically social media and all that. Like the the corporations need engagement. I mean, that's what it's about. And I started to realize that conflict was a really lucrative form of engagement for these corporations. You know, which is why they spent so many years not doing anything about harassment and things like that. And beyond harassment, why they stopped doing anything, why, why they weren't doing anything about, let's say, like neo-Nazis or, or people like that. So I realized that it's kind of a game and, and basically they need this conflict. The conflict is what drives it. Much like the news and the media, they need you to be afraid because that kind of generates them the most engagement. And it's all about engagement and content. And once you realize that conflict is that engagement and it is the actual content, then I don't see a point in using it.
2: Gerard, that's such an interesting point. I actually want to take the opportunity to introduce Julian Baker. Julian's music is so passionate and feels like an open invitation into a conversation about our hopes, our dreams, our struggles. And Julian and I had a chance to talk on the Going There podcast. She's such a fierce and strong mental health advocate, and I'm absolutely thrilled to get a chance to talk with her again. Julian, I'm curious your thoughts on what Gerard said.
3: It's very interesting to hear both of y'all's thoughts on technology specifically in the internet, and I think it's been a very challenging time for me personally because, um, like you were mentioning, Gerard, I share similar skepticism and disillusionment about the corporations who have constructed the platforms like Twitter, Facebook. I'm not personally on Facebook, but there's like, you know, I have artist pages on those platforms and it's i don't know there is a certain feeling of needing to participate in those arenas of discussion out of duress almost and i don't like that and that's why i've tried to distance myself whether that be like you know unfortunately like i hate this but relegating the responsibilities of promoting my music in on those platforms to other people but then i'm like The reason why I haven't fully committed to unplugging from Twitter is because it's such a bizarre thing to reflect on, like, having watched Evolve over my lifetime that since all of these websites and platforms are free, essentially what they are commodifying is the information you offer. You're exactly right. And to elicit, to like, draw out more engagement, these corporations consciously, unconsciously manipulate users with fear and by allowing conflict, but it's, it's interesting because I find that I can't completely dismiss those channels of interact, like, especially now, but even before, because, like, take Twitter, for example, oh, I'll just say Twitter so it's easier. There's so many pockets of discourse that are happening where people are allowed to engage across lines that otherwise would be more difficult to supersede. And this is honestly really sad and a reflection of our society, but because the capital that you are exchanging for your participation in this discourse is your data and not your like finances or you know thing you pay to go to school and get a degree and then you have the power of academia or whatever it allows people to engage in discourse who maybe otherwise couldn't so it's this kind of like catch 22 because that's what those platforms are using to try to garner your investment in them and to a degree it's true but I don't know. Yeah, it's just a very difficult thing.
1: Yeah, and I and you know, I also when I say like I disconnected from it largely, you know, I realized that I'm saying that from a very privileged place. Like I have an audience that doesn't need to hear from me. Basically at one point I decided like I'm going to be a channel of information out and no information in. You know, and I really the real reason I did that It wasn't just for mental health. It was to keep the art very pure and kind of removed from any kind of influence, good or bad, good or bad. Like, you know, somebody says something good about your work, it'll influence you. Somebody says something bad, it'll influence you. So I was trying to keep things kind of as pure as possible maybe to a fault who knows because i was just so largely unaware of like what was happening happening socially you know but i didn't think i was missing anything
3: i completely and i'm not disagreeing with you at all and i i, I think that it is largely my own fear and the conceptualization i have about how important twitter
1: is that's um, the thing yeah yeah
3: exactly yeah. that is what keeps me on there
1: the, um, yeah, yeah yeah the thing i struggle with the most when i quit was um when you're not using it it kind of makes you feel like you don't exist you which know which is
3: so unhealthy yeah yeah it's like i mean even before the pandemic, and now it's like just so much more exaggerated so yeah, yeah. you feel like yeah. you're missing this virtual realm where everyone is interacting without you and you're yeah. becoming more and more obsolete
2: Romy, you want to jump in
3: hi everybody hi sound mind live my name is death
0: by Romy or Romy flores uh... I'm a music artist as well, as just about everyone else in here. I'm 21 years old. I was raised with social media being a, not only a pivotal element for self-marketing, but for socialization and a means of connectivity to peers, whether that was negative connectivity, whether that was in forms of cyberbullying, or it was encouragement. It's funny, this came to my head. I grew up holding hands with social media because I was extremely isolated by my peers. I was bullied, for lack of a better word, I was made fun of for my own form of self-expression. And I found a very comforting home and outer world in the internet because I had kids my age from around the world showing me love and acceptance. And I find that it's so insane that something that can be so powerful to an individual, wherever the fuck they are in the world, no matter what small town you're from, no matter what big city you're from, you can actually host and hold real human connection through a fucking screen as real as you can get through a screen but on the other end i find the courage and animosity people suddenly put on through their screen to be disgusting and the opposite of human you it's given so many people power and there's there's no safety on the internet there's no safety for children i don't like that i was raised with it being such an influential Part of my childhood or my social life, <laughs> and as an artist, I hate how important the tool is. Having not had my moment yet to be able to stray away from it, because it is so negative. There's comparison. I hate the effect social media filters, face tune has on young girls and boys alike. Their self-image just depletes in in their hands, literally in this screen that they hold, where there is a lack of reality, especially in times like now when you are just constantly on your own. It's you and your little device all the fucking time. It's so pivotal and important to be able to disconnect yourself from this small, tiny aspect of what is actually life. And I wish more parents would hyperextend their strictness in terms of disallowing their kids to be so distant from their actual physical reality because ultimately even though I was able to find comfort and solace in this world that I wasn't actually connected to I've seen all the dark sides I've seen how it affects my younger sisters I'm one of three girls and I know it goes through kids head when all that's put in front of them is a certain size of a body a certain lifestyle sold to them a certain disillusion that uh nobody needs to follow that was a rant but um (laughs) scary place and julian said exactly what i was going to say initially which was these services we don't pay for only exist because we are their product because they're making money off of us off of our time spent off of our dollars we're willing to put in to try and market ourselves off the seconds we sit there comparing ourselves to other people they are making money and they fuel off of our insecurities and our dissolution
2: One of the things that people who struggle with mental illness face is the sense of being other, that somehow there is a quote unquote norm and it is mentally healthy, whatever that is. And then there's them who are unhealthy. And so they are other. And that's problematic on a couple of different levels. One is is that, I don't remember what the study was, but if you start putting together all of the quote unquote others, whether physical, emotional, age, race, Mm -hmm that there's a lot more others than there are quote unquote, normal people. But when you look at social media, often you'll get the sense that no, 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 whatever this is, you know, you guys were talking about it. Romy, you are talking about it. certain certain looks, certain physical and certain emotional state. And that's right where the stigma of mental illness usually starts. Is just that sense that whatever's going on in my head or in my behavior is just not the same as everyone else. And that's, that's where in some ways social media can be helpful, you know, and I think that you guys with your music bringing in the idea that, that people can hear something that makes them feel less other, but it's so dangerous right now because those are the main insecurities I think that people have.
0: I couldn't agree more. Another crazy element to the whole thing is there's only one of us. They, they market social media as a form of connection. And by no means am I saying that it's not a single form of connection, but because you are distancing yourself so far from your immediate reality like I keep touching on, you are instantly delving yourself into being another. instead of focusing on yourself as one, as the soul being the only being you are in control of, you are constantly forced to to compare, see yourself as less than more than an uh, equal to, or above another person. I don't think that our brains are naturally trained to do that while you're walking down the street looking at different people. But because you are in this own safe and scary world that is your head, when you are alone, you are forced to sit with all of those thoughts and comparisons.
3: No, I, I was going to say something very similar, which is for as much as social media is lauded as a, You know, like, for all of its evils, at least it's a place where we can connect with other people. You're exactly right, Romy, that um, the people that you're connecting with, even though it's this theoretically revolutionary idea to be able to find other people like you on the other side of the globe, you still have to, at some point, recede out of that virtual Mm -hmm. world and continue living in your body. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think a lot about how important it is to feel embodied there's so many things that can make you dissociate or separate mind and body and not take care of those things as one you know just like anything but with social media it's almost as if the ability to manipulate your own perception through be like you are allowed to kind of craft how people perceive you and then you're getting constant information from thousands of different sources i mean just like how how many different pieces of information do you see on a single doom scroll and we're asking our brains instead of giving focused attention to a handful of individuals that we live with or work with or go to school with or live next to and challenging ourselves to find points of connection with those people and develop like complicated and nuanced social skills we're instead Having highly specified interactions with people that we can very easily categorize and dismiss, or like we can dismiss and inflate the presence of a person in our life if we go to their profile or not, if we recognize them. And then exactly, it's like Gerard, what you were saying when you leave Twitter, it feels like you don't exist. But also sometimes it feels like you don't exist on Twitter. It feels like you don't yeah, exist on yeah. Facebook because you realize that's realistic yeah <laughs> you you especially don't exist outside yeah. of it but you still it's it's just this yeah, yeah. that's fucking real <laughs> huh. i suck at tiktok
0: that's like the one platform i just cannot bring myself to understand or compute and it's it's funny because i do have a profile um that is up and it's almost embarrassing i'm 21 why am i embarrassed that i can't control or understand a platform that 13 year old girls own and that I will never own I will never be a 13 year old girl again and that's perfectly okay but what's crazy to me is even the the different identities and world is that I hold on different platforms being the small artist that I am it's like okay I know I know where my people are I'm gonna cater to them because there's only so much energy you can exude in a space and Gerard's in a as he mentioned a very powerful um position where he can connect with his fans, without having to check in, they don't need check-ins from him. He connects with them, and always will with through his music. And that's like I feel like that's every real artist's like dream. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. no one, no, no real person at our core, and not not that any of us are unreal. No person at our core wants this one-dimensional form of connection. We all long for love. We all long for. The ability to actually connect with people through the art we create through the words we say and i think that's why it's so important for people to just disconnect the two that's probably that's probably the biggest point i could make disconnect this reality from your actual reality this reality is beautiful we're sharing a space but i'm literally in one space alone and i have to always hold myself accountable for knowing knowing the difference between the two what is what is more important
3: sure yeah.
0: Not the way I look in this photo.
3: <laughs> the way I feel
0: about myself today. Yeah.
3: No, it's wild. And I think it's it's honestly like with Gerard's example, it is a it's like um a privilege as an artist and that, you know, you have the power to do that. But it's also that and I'm presuming here, but you have been doing this work for much longer than I have. I'm 25 and it is exhausting to try to give well because I'm sure that um, both of you probably feel this way too if I'm going to engage with people with people who give my art the time of day I want to do it genuinely and I know that there is a limit to the genuineness you can afford people through the internet but Mm -hmm. it does seem worth it to me to try because the alternative is superficiality but the Mm -hmm. thing about that is now instead of trying to do the emotional labor of connecting genuinely to 20 people in a classroom or 15 regulars that come into the restaurant I work at you're trying to genuinely affirm the worth of and give focused attention to I'm sure over the course of your life millions of people and that like to me it's exhausting to have to do that and I am dealing with a far smaller figures and I can't imagine the toll it would take like whether or not it was the success of your art that enabled you to put out put out art into the world I uh and have it be received without needing to promote yourself on a platform I wonder if eventually it wouldn't have it would have become more important to you to preserve your mental health yeah i almost feel like that i'm like there's a limit to how much it's worth to me for an album to do well absolutely you know what i mean
1: i i totally agree yeah basically it came down to the very thing you just said okay what's more important telling people i have a new comic book out or my mental health and i said you know what my mental health is more important and if that means I less people read my comics or less people listen to my music, I'm okay with that,
2: mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. It's not just social media. It's anything that brings us into the social realm is when not only do we feel like other, but even something earlier than that, just having to define ourselves in reference to other people mm. can be, is, is really the first pivot, even before you get to an other. I don't remember Julian, if we talked about this when we spoke a few, few months ago. This, this idea that, you know, sometimes people will be labeled a rebel simply because they're doing something different. But the intention had nothing to do with rebellion. You know, it had nothing to do with saying, oh, I'm making a statement by being different. And a lot of people, quite frankly, get bullied for that, get ostracized for that because simply being an individual is interpreted in reference to everybody else. And, you know, one of the things that's, that's much more difficult for you guys is that from the moment you put yourself into a public space, you're constantly being considered in reference to what the fans think, other artists that have come before you, your previous work, you know? And I think that this is where as much as I think people, you know, admire and look up to and and long for a quote unquote rock star life, I think this is part of it that just sounds brutal, quite frankly. Mm -hmm.
1: You know, I don't see this talked about often, and maybe I am a fragile, delicate flower or snowflake, but I found fame to be extremely traumatic. I found the entire experience of being in my chemical romance and then it kind of exploding into this thing of bigness in a way that it was never intended— I, I needed I needed the last seven or eight years to process that experience, you know? Because it, it it did everything to me from making me not want to be around people, making me not want to be in the outside world very much. It ended up with me just isolating. You know, on the road, it was extremely difficult for me. Like hotels kind of ended up, like the hotel room kind of ended up being this kind of dark place. And when we would get to them, I would basically barricade myself in there and never come out. I wouldn't let housekeeping in and I would have like the curtains closed and it was just this really cold, dark place. And that's how I would exist on the road when I was struggling during danger days with like some pretty bad depression and anxiety and things like that, you know.
0: That's terrifying. I can't relate to any of the things you just mentioned, but I can relate to the fear of anything constant or overstimulating because as much as mental illness is an illness we're not born happy we're not born to be happy 24 7 it doesn't matter how much the world is handing you or how little the world is handing you as humans as fragile malleable beings however it is that we feel in every moment and i can't imagine how overstimulating to your brain Everything going on, the lack of time you had for yourself must fuel. And as big as I want my artist project to grow, I have a lot of anxieties that surround like what comes with growing mm-hmm. uh, existentially, I guess. not Because when you grow as an artist, you don't grow alone. You grow in numbers. You grow that constant like human vibration that's thrown back at you becomes incredibly daunting. I'm sure it becomes incredibly stressful. To the point in which you can't focus on yourself which is at the end of the day the most important thing you as an individual can do Yeah. can't help others if, if you're not helping yourself if you're not in the state too yeah
3: that's true i think also an aspect of of what you're saying Romy, is that i think and uh, that relates to um your experience jarred is that i think while nominally the world of self-disclosure on the internet is supposed to be about human connection it is de facto about cultivating an individual persona to be witnessed by others and i think that's really dangerous like it's- i've been thinking so much about how- and this is- maybe this is a western thing it's a patented american thing but you know i don't know if it's just like innately human but we tend to like need to distinguish ourselves as individuals for being unique and we are but i think Mm -hmm. there's this like flip that happens when your job is creating music that's attached to your persona that's engulfed in an image there you go exactly those two things are like collapsed and it's really hard to extrapolate like what is me as a person and what Mm. the character of the art i'm trying to make because it's so important especially we have so much of an uh emphasis on like authenticity however people define authenticity and so when you're an artist like especially i find this because i make art about myself like i've never been good at writing Concept songs or folk songs that are stories. So it's like my actual lived experience is being transformed into art and then they sort of become blended in a way that's really dangerous because you don't know what to give away and what to keep. I don't know. I don't think that's limited to the experience of fame. I think mean, it's like the way that we ch- cultivate our ourselves as a, as an isolated individual in the ways in, in which the world today and all the mechanisms we engage with every day encourage us to be isolated individuals that are trying to, you know, at the same time that we're, like, you know, people are trying to, whatever, get followers or, like, gain traction or be recognized for their prowess, for their athleticism, for their intelligence, for their art we have an obsession with attention that isn't always an exchange and Gerard when you were talking about like fame being super traumatizing for you in the tiny monochem of what I've experienced of recognition for my music that's been the loneliest part is that theoretically I'm connecting to many 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 people but it's one-sided and I'm, the more that I become alienated by the traction that I'm supposed to want to gain oh. as an artist, the more that I become isolated from the community element of music, which is why I started making music in the first place. I started oh. making music in a band so that my band could play at house shows with my other friends' bands so we could all play music together because yeah. I just wanted to play music together
0: that's the core right there.
3: yeah but then like all of a sudden it was me alone on a stage and I was saying something to people and then going back to my hotel room
1: mm-hmm. you
3: know, the conversation became really disproportionately organized mm-hmm. and that's I don't know it's unhealthy it's difficult to deal with it's yeah
0: and you feel like you're constantly giving all of yourself in what you write that it's hard to discern sometimes what you want to keep for yourself. And that's something I can relate to. I remember I started like putting out my own music when I was like 15. I was in my first relationship ever. It was a toxic one, you know. I was I was sharing bits and pieces about another person I probably shouldn't shared in music as forms of therapy for myself. And I don't know. I just I just found that I don't know why this is my last thought, but I just found you saying that incredibly powerful and I think an incredibly powerful reminder that goes beyond just writing music I think it goes back to how much do you need to share with another individual how much are you safe sharing how much are you thinking about what you're out putting it's it's really important to have the ability like you seem to now to check in with yourself decide what it is you do and don't want to share because every human is entitled to their own levels of a private life which is very hard to obtain in this world of social media I think it's so powerful it's one of the things I value so much there's things I don't feel I need to tell my best friends there's things I don't feel I need to tell my family there's things I know I can process on my own I wish to process on my own I think that's something people should check in with themselves more about Mm -hmm. it's do I need to process this with someone else or can I can I do this on my own does this need to be shared can I work through this on my own because our own minds are so powerful and I think that's something we need to constantly remind ourselves of. Mm-hmm. There's, we have so much power to work through so many things on our own. And that's something that is so hard to see in certain moments, things I've been unable to see in certain moments. But um, yeah. that's that. It's
1: honored to talk with all of you. I'm just- Likewise. And Romy, what you were just saying about, um, I think it's really healthy to get to a point where you begin to ask yourself, do I need to share this? You know, mm-hmm. Or can I process this? On my own, and Julian, what you were saying about this being the kind of thing that it's it's not unique to us in our lives and whatever successes we've had or whatever art we've made or whatever attention we've gotten, it's something that I believe everybody can relate to. With what you're saying about sharing and and things like that, I I think everybody goes through that. Yeah, like what do I share and how much do I give of myself? This is this is something everybody experiences with social media. I think. You know mm-hmm.
2: uh, Unfortunately, you guys are on the front lines of what a lot of people are witnessing in terms of how the world deals with uniqueness and whether it's unique because you have you know music or it's because of something that happens to you, you know privately, socially, you know, in front of the world. Um, I think that one of the things that's very unfortunate is we have this kind of abusive relationship with our rock stars, where we kind of use them to bask in their glow. And then when they slip, we attack or dismiss or abandon them. And, you know, this is something that's happening in front of the entire world. It's almost like we're, we're watching how people get bullied. And it's very damaging, I think, for people to watch, even though it's not happening directly to them. And so for you guys to step up and talk about these struggles is, is so important because there are kids, you know, there, and I know working as, as, a, as a psychologist, I know there's kids, even adults, who don't always know who to talk to. And if they can at least see people who are going through these same things in a public forum, especially their idols, especially their rock stars, it's so much more powerful because, you know, they see you guys as invincible, you know, whether that's fair or not, and that's a lot of pressure. And you guys don't have to do this. You're already successful artists. But the fact that you're stepping up and having these conversations, I know that whether it's kids who are thinking about, can I hang on one extra day? Or adults who are just like trying, or adults who are also thinking, can I hang on one extra day? Or maybe just someone who's thinking about, how do I make sense of all this? You know, the fact that you guys are stepping up and sharing these things, Gerard, you're right. These are things a lot of people go through, but you guys have this platform and the fact that you're using it to to tackle the stigma of mental illness and talk about negative social patterns that we need to change. Uh, I know just sitting on my end as a mental health professional, it means the world to people. So I just wanna thank you guys for, for stepping up and being such great mental health advocates and for this great conversation. I wanna thank everyone who made this wonderful event possible. I wanna thank the partners, Sound Mind Live, National Day of Unplugging, and the sponsors, Little Space and Sage Therapeutics. And I want to thank the artists, Gerard, Romy, Julian. Thank you so much for being such fierce and powerful mental health advocates. Your voice is heard. You are reducing the stigma of mental illness. And you're doing some wonderful things in the world. And for everybody out there who is tuning in, be healthy, be safe, and be kind to yourself and others. See you next time at The Crossroads.